Amen. All right. I want you to notice what it says in verse 12 of Hebrews 4. It says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. I want you to notice a couple things in this passage. First off, the Word of God, we, we often use this passage to show the power of the Word of God, and rightfully so. But notice how it says, it's a, it, uh, it divides asunder the soul and spirit. And we understand, and we've been talking a lot lately about the body, soul, and spirit that we all have as individuals, and we do. The soul and spirit are two different things. Now, we often mix those things. We often kind of or confuse those things. And understand it's important to, that we understand the difference between body, soul, and spirit because this is about us. This helps us know ourselves. And notice that it's the Word of God that reveals these things. It's the Word of God that divides asunder the soul and spirit of the joints and marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Have you ever wondered why you do some of the stuff you do and why you struggle with some of the things that you struggle with? Well, you know the Word of God can reveal that to you. The Word of God, it gets to the heart of the matter. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And a lot of times, what we do in the medical world today, whenever somebody's sick or has a problem or a pain, we often just take things that kind of mask the symptom of a real problem. Where a good doctor... He's going to find out where the problem is and fix the problem, not just give you something to mask that symptom of the problem. And to understand the Word of God, it, it gets to the heart and matter of where the problem is. Typically, our sin, it is a symptom of a problem that we have somewhere. And we need to find out where that problem is, not so we can cover the sin, but so we can remove whatever it is that's causing that sin. We can fix whatever is causing that sin. And the Word of God, it gets to the bottom of the matter in these things. And so we, don't, we want to make sure, if the Word of God divides these things of soul and spirit, we want to make sure we're not getting these things confused. But we commonly do. And if we can understand that our soul is saved, but that it has not been regenerated yet, and that it's still sinful, it's going to help a lot. And it's important for us to understand this because again, people often confuse the soul and spirit and they think they are following the spirit when in reality they're following the soul. And again, I, I hope these messages are helping everybody get to know themselves. All right? Is anybody learning anything about themselves in the last weeks with these messages? Anybody? All right. you, want, you better learn something or I'm going to have to keep preaching this forever because you all need to get this. Y'all need to get this, all right? Because if, if you know yourself, you will know the best things to do to help yourself, to protect yourself. I mean, are we all just emotionally stable in here all the time and just no issues, no turmoil, nothing? All right? are, are we that balanced in this church? I don't think we are. And so, uh, so I think we all need some of this, okay? We, we all need some of this. We all have struggles in these areas. And I'm telling you, uh, this, these things, they can, they can really help, help you a lot, but... Uh, people are. They are uh, in, in churches today. People are following after things of the soul and not of the spirit. And it's important that we understand the difference, that we do not get these things confused, because if we can understand them, 
we will make better decisions. We will understand what's going on in our hearts and our minds when we find ourselves being tempted to sin or when we're just in a situation where I don't know what to do. How many have ever been in that place before? I don't know what the right thing is to do. There, there's turmoil there. You know why? Because there, there's, there's confusion going on. And often the way we can get to the bottom of what is actually the right thing to do is we can make sure we're following the spirit rather than the soul. And we've got to get a hold of these things. And so let me give you some evidence just quickly of the sinfulness of the soul. And it says in Leviticus 4, 2, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a soul sin shall sin through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done, and shall do any against them, if the priest is anointed to sin according to the sin of the people, then let him bring for his sin, which he hath sinned, a young bullock without blemish unto the Lord for a sin offering. Okay? And notice how it says if a soul sin. Now, it is very tr- clear that in the Bible, the soul is often a very general reference to an individual as a whole. Okay? We, I think we all get that. This is very true. You can see this several times throughout the Scriptures. But at the same time, it wouldn't make sense to talk about a soul sinning if a soul doesn't sin. You know, you know, because the truth is, a soul, remember, that's the person, that's who we are. Even when a soul dies, they go somewhere. Tommy McMurtry is more than just flesh and blood. When, to, when this body dies, me who I am, my consciousness is going to heaven. And that person who is lost, who they are, their consciousness, their soul, it's going to hell. And so when, I, when Tommy McMurtry sins, it's not just this flesh by itself sinning. This flesh is why I want to sin a lot. But I am choosing to do that sin in my soul. It makes that choice. It is responsible for that sin that's done. This body by itself, it, I mean, it's, it's nothing. It's corruptible. It's, it's got to be put in the ground. Because it is, it's, it's, it's rotten, corruptible, but at the same time, the body by itself is nothing. It, it really is. It's, it'll just turn into rotting meat uh, and get infested with bugs before too long. And it's because it is, it's a sinful, corruptible thing. I've not put on incorruption yet. But this body is a main, the main reason I want to sin all the time. It, it's the main reason that causes my soul to long after sin. And so, uh, understand, the sins we commit are typically with our body, but we, our soul, or who we are, makes the decision to sin. Leviticus 5.1 says, And if a soul sin, and hear the voice of swearing, and is a witness, whether he hath seen or known of it, if he do not utter it, then he shall bear his iniquity. Or if a soul touch any unclean thing, whether it be a carcass of an unclean beast or a carcass of an unclean cattle or the carcass of an unclean creeping thing and it be hidden, if it be hidden from him, he also should be unclean and guilty. Or if he touch the uncleanness of a man, whatsoever uncleanness it shall be, that man shall be defiled withal. And it be, if it be hid from him, when he knoweth of it, then shall he be guilty. Or if a soul swear, pronouncing sin with his lips to do evil or to do good, whether, whatsoever it be that a man shall pronounce with an oath, and it be hid from him. When he knoweth of it, then he shall be guilty in one of these. And it shall be when he shall be guilty in one of these things that he shall confess that he hath sinned in that thing. And so notice these specific sins it mentions. It's things that you do with your body, like touching an unclean thing. But when it becomes a sin, it's when he knows of it. And so, because the reality is, you know, the, the soul is the one 
that, you know, is making a decision here. And so, again, if I just accidentally touch something, you know, while under those ceremonial laws, and I don't know about it, it hasn't affected my soul in any way. I don't even know I did it. But once I realize what I have done, that's when I, need, that's when I would have to follow these things if we were under the law. Because it is. It's not just about the body, even though that's typically what we sin with. When we sin, we defile our soul. It's, it's negative on our soul. And our soul sins when we knowingly choose to do things that are against the Word of God. We are choosing it. We are making that decision. It's not our body just you know, doing its own thing. No. Tommy McMurtry is guilty. And Tommy McMurtry is doing these things. And so it's not just my body is guilty. I am guilty. The soul. It's who we are. In the greatest commandment, Matthew twenty two thirty seven, Jesus saith unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Now, when Jesus said to love God with all your heart, does that refer to the blood pumping organ in your body? How do you do that? It's like, all right, you know, how do you, how do you make your heart do something? Okay. Obviously, this, it's talking about the center of who we are. Loving God ought to be the most important thing. The love, the love of God you know, obeying God, pleasing God, that ought to be the ultimate desire of our heart. But the truth is, a lot of times, we're longing for things. We do. We have a longing inside of us for things that are not of God. We have a longing and a desire to please those around us. And maybe even a longing and desire to please your family and your loved ones over God. God should be first. And when we don't love God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength, wouldn't that be sinning? Wouldn't that? So, and again, our saved people, do we all just automatically do that because our soul's saved? No. No, we've got, we've got to work on that. It, it takes effort to do that kind of thing. You know, when it's talking about our mind, you know, is it with the brain that's in our head? You know, obviously, we don't understand everything that's going on in, up there, do we? We don't understand how that all works. But God is supposed to be in the forefront of our thoughts. He should come first. And everything. And so just, these are just some examples showing that the soul is sinful. The soul is the center of who we are. And when we, when we do not keep God first and love Him with everything, we are sinning in our heart and in our soul and in our mind. In Matthew 5.27, ye have heard that it was said of them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And many people have not committed certain sins of the flesh, but they have of the heart. There's a longing for those things that are forbidden, and that's sinful. That's wrong. Your body didn't do anything, but in your heart, in your soul, in your mind, you're doing these things. Matthew 15:17. Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth into the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the drought? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart. And they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. And so like we talked about last week, there are things that we can do that are harmful to our soul. And when we are allowing a bunch of filth to come into our mind, it is, it's going to affect our minds, it's going to affect our heart, it's going to affect our soul, and then it will 
probably, more than likely, it will eventually produce sin itself. Where we actually commit these things. It all starts in the heart. It all starts in, in, in the mind, in the soul. People, when they just go out and they decide to murder somebody, they decide, they made that decision. They did. They chose to do that, and they obviously carry that act out with their body. But that decision was a bad decision. It was a sinful decision. And it resulted in something really bad. Proverbs 22 says, The fear of a king is as a roaring of a lion, whoso provoketh him to anger sinneth against his own soul. 1 Peter 2.11 Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. If our soul can't sin, then what does warring against the soul even do and matter? No, it, it, it grieves our soul. It vexes our soul. We'll look at that passage in a minute, but Micah 6, 6, where, wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? He has showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. And I preached about that a while back when we were going through Micah. But it's not about the sacrifices. It's not about the ceremonies. It's not about following the meticulous instructions. It's about the heart. It's about that soul. It's about the mind. And you know, who cares if you're offering up all these sacrifices but in your heart and your soul and your mind, you don't even love God. You know what? Those sacrifices mean nothing to God. God wants our hearts. He wants our souls. He wants our minds. And so when it comes to righteousness, all in reality, all we really have is imputed righteousness. We are credited with righteousness. Okay? And a Christian is foolish to think that they are not sinful. Okay? We all struggle with sin every day. And no matter what you think you've repented of, we all struggle with sin every day. What we got when we got saved, we were, we, our, we, this, our spirit was brought back to life. Our spirit was regenerated. We are told that in the scriptures. But at the same time, in our body and in our soul, we are still like other people. The difference between us and the lost, we have a regenerated spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. We're joined to the Lord as one spirit. And He is the one that helps us and that enables us to do right and to get victory over our body and our soul. But understand, all we truly have is imputed righteousness we're credited with the righteousness of christ but understand when jesus died on the cross while he bore his sins in his body on that cross you know what else he did his soul was made an offering for sin and we'll see that passage here in a little bit too so in second peter 2 7 a lot of times people will prove that souls don't sin simply because of second peter 2 7 where it says and deliver just lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Now, folks, Lot had major, major problems. Lot went on to commit some terrible sins even after this. Why? How was he able to do that? I'll tell you why. Because all he had was imputed righteousness. You would never know Lot was saved if it wasn't for the New Testament telling us he was saved. All he had was imputed Righteousness. But that righteous man dwelling among them, you mean the guy that called Sodomites brothers? You mean the guy whose wife probably wasn't even saved and turned into a pillar of salt? Whose daughters 
who when, who when he told his daughters that were married and their husbands that God's going to destroy Sodom, they thought he's mocking. The guy whose daughters that did escape got the terrible idea that they did and committed the horrible abomination they did with their father who got drunk. Folks, we would never know Lot was saved if it wasn't for the New Testament. I would think he wasn't. But obviously he was a believer, and he had, but he had imputed righteousness. But those sins that he committed, they were pretty bad. And so when he vexed his righteous soul, it, you know, vex means to torture, to pain, or torment, uh, or toil, to toss, to vex. And so it is. That's what that, and it did, it did that to him. And folks, when we get vexed with things, it does, it negatively affects us. We typically sin more, don't we? We, it, with those things, uh, you know, it causes us to just sometimes get wore down and give up. And that's why we're seeing more and more people, even save people, go a little easier on wickedness and abominations and the sodomites. They're getting wore down. You know why? Because they're being, they're con- their souls are being constantly vexed. They're still saved. But they are becoming less and less effective as Christians as these type of things take place. So we got to watch out. We talked about last week guarding our souls and, and not harming our soul. That kind of thing can be done. So when Jesus died on the cross, He paid for our sins in His body. But the Bible is crystal clear while theology and theologians, they're not so clear. But Christ's soul was made an offering for sin. Isaiah 53.10 says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise Him. He hath put Him to grief. When thou shalt make His soul an offering for sin, He shall see His seed. He shall prolong His days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in His hand. He shall see the travail of His soul and shall be satisfied. By His knowledge shall My righteous servant justify many, for He shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide Him a portion with the great, and He shall divide the spoil with the strong, because He was poured out, He poured out His soul unto death, and He was numbered with the transgressors, and He bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So, I, you know, you can try to feel, you know, use your big theological terms to take that away. You can use your feigned words to try to take that away. But I think the Bible is really clear. Acts 2.27, Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Verse 31, He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh see corruption. So when it comes to the things of the body, the soul, and the spirit, it can be difficult because these are things that we can't see with our physical eye. And often people will try to oversimplify things. And often two people will refer to, they'll go into their theological terms, they'll go into their feigned words, and they'll talk about the dichotomy of man. But in reality, you know, you know, the, you know the spiritual and the physical. But actually, in reality, we're a trichotomy. Because we are. We're body, soul, and spirit. If we're going to use theological terms... Like that. Again, they're not all bad. They're not all completely wrong. Some of them are accurate. I'd prefer to just look at what the Bible says. But what does it say in 1 Thessalonians 5.23? And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so remember, our spirit's what's been regenerated and is born of God and cannot sin. Our spirit is always in agreement with the Word of God and responds positively to the Word of God. But now, how can I keep from getting the soul and spirit confused? Because often people think they're following the spirit when they're following their soul. Okay? And understand this, and I've said this before, 
Not everything that blesses the soul is sinful. Nor is it wrong to do things that bless the soul. We do things here that bless the soul. But it shouldn't be confused with what blesses the spirit. So let's talk about these things. So first, the word soul, it's in the Bible over 400 times. And let's look at several verses about the soul to just help us understand some things about ourselves. All right, I'm just going to quickly go through these things, but pay attention because as we read these things about the Bible, it does it starts revealing things about ourselves. Matthew 22:37, Jesus said unto him, "Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, all thy soul, and all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment." And so, what does it mean to love God with all our soul? How do we put this into practice? Well, Genesis 34:1. And Dinah, the daughter of Leah, which she bare unto Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamer, the Hivite, prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and defiled her. And his soul clave unto Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the damsel and spake kindly unto the damsel. In verse 8, And Hamer communed with them, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longeth for your daughter. I pray you, give her him to wife. Our souls are often drawn to certain things in a very strong way that go beyond just a physical need that we have. Obviously, what Shechem did was terrible, and he was trying to fulfill a lust of the flesh. But the truth is, too, when he fulfilled that lust of the flesh, his soul also was connected to her, too. And he had a longing, not just for a physical act, but for her. And that's why, too, physical relationships are very important because of the fact that not only, you know, is there a physical thing taking place, but also souls find a connection and get drawn together. And so there's that emotional aspect of it, too. It's not just about the physical. There's an emotional thing, too. And so with Shechem, you know, when he gets with Dinah, she's not just like the other girls of the land. You know, he, he really likes this one. His soul is drawn to her. Numbers 21.5, And the people spake against God and against Moses. And he said, Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? <clears throat> For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. Now what does that mean? Look, the manna tasted good. When they first ate the manna, they liked it. But you know what? They got sick of it. That manna took care of their physical needs. The manna would keep them sustained and keep them from being hungry. But folks, don't we like sometimes to eat not just for survival, but for pleasure? There are, listen, we could survive on vegetables and, you know, and healthy stuff, but sometimes our soul longs for a Sunday from Dairy Queen you know, uh, you know, you know, and, and he said, and things that aren't even bad, you know, a nice juicy steak, you know, you could get by on a bologna sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. I'm have you, but have you ever been hungry? I mean, and you do, you know, your wife, she'll offer you a bologna sandwich or something like that. And that would satisfy your hunger. That would give you what you need to get through the day. But it's just like, no, I need, I, want, I need something better. I need a steak. Hey, steak. Have you ever just needed a steak? It's like, I need to eat an animal. I need to eat steak. We, we've all been there. Okay? And, and so it's, it's more than just going on instinct and do what we need for survival. Our soul wants that the manna was perfectly good for providing sustenance for their bodies, but their soul wanted more and it was out of greed. 
It was just a, it was a lack of contentment. Deuteronomy twelve fourteen. But in the place which the Lord shall choose in one of thy tribes, there shalt thou offer thy burnt offerings, and there thou shalt do all that I command thee. Notwithstanding thou thou mayest kill and eat flesh in all thy gates, whatsoever thy soul lusteth after, according to the blessing of the Lord thy God which He hath given thee, the unclean and the clean may eat thereof of the roebuck as and as of the heart. Only ye shall not eat the blood; ye shall pour it out on earth as the water. Verse 20, When the Lord thy God shall enlarge thy borders, he hath promised thee, and thou shalt say, I will eat flesh, because thy soul longeth to eat flesh. Thou mayest eat flesh, whatsoever thy soul lusteth after. In the place which the Lord thy God hath chosen to put his name there, be too far from thee, then shalt thou kill of thy herd and of thy flock, which the Lord hath given thee, as I have commanded thee, and thou shalt eat in the gates, whatsoever thy soul lusteth after. Folks, we ought to enjoy when we get to a point in the Bible where it tells us something that we lust after, we can go for it. And this is one of those examples. And you know what? I'm thankful that I can eat what my soul lusteth after. And sometimes my soul lusteth after a Chinese buffet. Sometimes my soul, you know, it lusteth after a blizzard, you know, and things like that. And you know what? It's okay to enjoy those things sometimes. And it is. And it's just satisfying. And you get done eating and you're full, you're sustained, and you just feel happy. And the, but the reality is you could eat a bowl of cereal and it got you through the day. But you all understand how it's not the same. Hey, how many soul is lusting right now for some food, you know, certain specific foods? All right? we're, we're, we're all there. It's, it's not a sin. But there is, there's certain food that our souls often long for even more than our physical body does. I swear sometimes my body needs steak. It needs it. But it's probably more my soul than it is my body. First Samuel 18, 1, And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And our souls are often drawn towards certain people in a powerful way that can be perfectly good, but sometimes it can be bad. Sometimes our souls get connected and long after celebrities, musicians, actors. And we people, they, they do. They think, I'd, I'd love to meet that person. And they're, they they're do. Their soul is drawn to that person because they're good looking or they're a good actor or they're a good singer or something like that. That can be a bad thing. That's not always a healthy thing. And even Christians are like that sometimes. Or we'll allow negative influences in our life because our soul... Cause we, does our body... Does our body need Garth Brooks? I don't know. Who, I, don't, you know. It, I mean, honestly, look how popular these people are. Does your body have to have that stuff? Okay, no, but yet some, some people, and some of you in here, you might struggle. Some of you, you might need M&M. Uh, I like M&Ms, but not M&M, not M&M. You know, uh, you, know, you, might, you, you know, you might feel... A desire for that hip-hop. Everybody has different music and things that they like, that they long after. What's, what, is, what is it that wants that? Is it your body or is it your soul? Okay, now you ask music, any musician, they'll tell you, it's soul. Music affects the soul. And some of it in a positive way, some in a negative way. But either way, your soul longs after some things that aren't good. Some of those things that your soul longs after too, it promotes sinfulness of the flesh. You gotta watch out for that. And let me tell you, some of the music that's going on in churches today, it appeals to the soul, and people think, man, that made me feel good. 
Yeah, but did it bring you closer to Christ? Did it, did, was it drawing you more towards holiness? What, did it bless your spirit? And there's a difference between that. I don't want to get ahead of myself there. But our, our body is not just a random mistake of nature that just happens to be drawn towards certain things that are bad. We are not just creatures of instinct like animals are. We have souls. And we can go after that which is good, and we can long after that which is good. We can long after that which is bad. Our instincts that come from our sinful flesh cause our souls to long after things that are, that are forbidden and sinful. But our regenerated spirit within us is what causes us to long after that which is good and right. And the spirit within you does long after that which is good and right. It longs after the Word of God. But your soul, it longs after all the things that, you know, that your body tells it to long after. And our soul also longs after the things that the Spirit tells us long after. And that's where the conflict is. That's what Paul talked about in Romans 8, where he's, he's wanting to do the good. He's wanting to do the good. He, in his soul, he wants to follow after the Spirit, but in his flesh dwells no good thing. And how to do that which is good, I find not. And so we see him... In, in turmoil there in Romans chapter 8 or chapter 7, I think it is, where he's trying to figure out how to do that which is good. Because he's got a longing that comes from the Spirit towards that which is right. He's got a longing from the flesh of the things that are sinful. And he's trying to figure out how to do the right thing in his soul. And you know what? He said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He wanted to get out of this flesh. He wanted to have this flesh transformed so he would no longer as a person, as an individual, long after those things. And thank God, when we get to heaven, we won't long after those things anymore. You know, it's like, what's going to, you know, what, what's it going to be like when we go to heaven? And it's hard to imagine what's going to be like not desiring sin. But understand, when our soul leaves this sinful body, it's not going to have, it, or it, it won't have the flesh anymore. It will only have the spirit. And so guess what? We won't have any desire to sin when we're in heaven. And then at the resurrection... This body will be changed. It will be regenerated. And then we have nothing pulling us towards sin anymore. So again, we sin with the body, but the soul does sin in the choices it makes and in the fact that it goes after the things of the flesh. And so we've got to watch out for that. We need to, and so the way we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength is we need to purposefully set our heart and soul to follow after the things of God. First Chronicles 22:19 says, "Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Arise therefore and build ye the sanctuary of the Lord your God to bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy vessels of God into the house that is to be built in the name of the Lord." He said, "Set your heart and soul." It's not it's not just going to automatically happen. You're not just going to one day wake up and like, "You know what? I just love God more than ever." You know, I watched Benny Hinn last night and I watched him heal those people and blow in their faces and it just blessed my soul and I love the Lord now. That's not how that works. Second Chronicles fifteen twelve, And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul and whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. What were they doing? They're like, you know what? We, and, and we don't have national authority here they did back then okay so we're not going to do this even though it'd be nice if the country did that but this this is what they did we have to set our souls to following the lord so here's what we're going to do to help everyone if you don't you die 
You know what? That's going to make a lot of people want to follow the Lord because they don't want to die. You know, a survival instinct. What do we have to do to get ourselves to want to do the right thing? Sometimes we have to have some carnal motivation like that. And that's kind of what they did. Because as a nation, they wanted to set their heart and soul to follow after the things of God. And so having said all these things, briefly I want to talk about things in the church that very well may not be sinful and even good and bless our soul. And these things might bless our souls rather than the Spirit. For example, the music. The music often blesses our soul. My soul was blessed when we sang Be Strong in the Lord. I like that song. That, that was a blessing to my soul. I, it, the fellowship. Yesterday, we had a good time of fellowship. The whole day, I mean, from what I saw, everybody was getting along, fellowshipping. And you know what? At the end of the day, I was physically tired. It was a long day. But you know what? I felt good because we had a good day. You know, sometimes after a long Sunday, when we've had fellowship, we've, had, we've done a lot of work, we've had a lot of soul winning, people have gotten saved, we've had good services, and I go home physically exhausted, but I sleep great. You know why? Because my soul was blessed by what took place dur- during the day. And, you know, th- that feels good. It feels good to go to sleep like that, physically exhausted, but also with a full soul, a blessed soul. It, 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 there, there's something special about that. These are not sinful things. The preaching can bless your soul. The preaching. You know, there's going to be sermons that you're going to hear, and you're like, man, I liked that. That was good. That helped me. That is exactly what I needed. And let me tell you, if your heart and your soul is right with God, your soul will be blessed by that which is biblical and of the Spirit. And your soul will be grieved by that which is not biblical. But if your heart and soul is not right, you know you can find yourself being blessed by that which is unbiblical and carnal. And that's why we've got to set our hearts on the Word of God. Some people don't really care what the Bible says. So they're blessed when they go and they hear a church that, you know what, you all keep being good and I think you'll make it to heaven. You know, and, and some people are blessed by that. Now, you and I, we'd walk out. Why? Because we've set our hearts on the Word of God. We take it serious. You know, when we, if we were to go to service and some guy gets up and he's talking about the antelodoma and the homolodomina that we were talking about last Sunday night and all this stuff, and you know, the Bible would be better translated if it said this, and I think this would be a better... We're going to get angry and we're going to walk out of there while a lot of people, they're going to be blessed by that. Man, I feel so smart after learning all that stuff. You know, and, but, the, but the truth is, because their hearts are not set on the Word of God. We have said, no, the Word of God is the final authority. We make a big deal about it. The Word of God is perfect. And so when we hear that which agrees with the Scriptures, you know, we're blessed, but hopefully you are grieved when you hear the opposite. But many people, their souls are blessed because their souls are not right. They have not set their heart and soul towards the things of God and in the right way. And therefore, they enjoy things that are unbiblical and carnal. They don't have a problem with somebody getting up and singing a song in church that's unbiblical. They, they don't even notice it. They don't really care. Oh, I like the song. The music's good. They don't care if it's sensual. They don't care if it has a sensual beat. They don't care if, I mean, it's rock and roll music. Hey, that's the kind of stuff my flesh likes and my soul also likes it too. But is that kind of thing God wants in church? Does God really want people up on the stage dressed like that, acting like that? Are these things even producing anything, any spiritual thoughts? 
in your, in your heart and in your soul and in your mind. And so this is where we have a big problem. We have people all over the world walking out of churches today, and in all of them, their souls have been blessed, but many people's souls are being blessed today by things that are not of God. And so how can we know when our soul is being blessed by good things? Because, again, we all want our souls blessed. But do you want to be blessed by me getting up here, showing you how you can lose your salvation from an NIV and Lucifer and Jesus are the same pretty much? Do you, is your soul going to be, do you want to be blessed by that? Some people are blessed by that. I don't want to be blessed by that. Do you want to be blessed by me standing up here behind a bistro table in skinny jeans, you know, singing sensual songs? <laughs> Some people are blessed by that. <laughs> you know, hopefully, hopefully you wouldn't, hopefully you'd be vexed <laughs> by that. But listen, if your heart, if your heart's not right, if your soul's not right, if you have not set your heart and soul on right things, you could find yourself being blessed by that. Because it's all happening all over. People are walking out of churches in a good mood when an effeminate preacher got up there and preached a bunch of garbage. And they're blessed. There are people that are being, their souls are being blessed walking out of a church. Men, souls are being blessed by sermons from a woman preacher. How can that happen? I tell you, because their hearts are, and souls are not set on the right things. So again, you all are blessed by hearing a man preach. You all are blessed from here and preaching from a King James Bible. You know, your souls are blessed, but how do we know your souls are being blessed towards the right thing? And it's, a, it's actually not really that complicated. When you find, how, the way we can know if our souls are set in the right thing is when you find blessings in that which lines up with the Word of God. Now understand, this will not happen immediately. This will not happen to me. Just because you're saved, you are not going to immediately like everything you hear that's biblical. A lot of people, when they get saved and they first start hearing things, it hurts. They don't like it. They respond negatively to it. Now, why is this? You know, you know why? Because the Word of God, sometimes it needs to purge us. And sometimes that hurts. And there, there's going to be times where that you're going to hear preaching from the Word of God and it's not going to bless your soul at first. It's going to hurt. You're not going to like it. It's going to make you uncomfortable. But if you have the Spirit of God, you know what? That Spirit of God is going to be drawn to it. And you know what it's going to do? It's going to tell you, hey, you need to keep listening. How many times have you heard that before where people, they'll talk about a preacher and it's like, you know, the first time I heard him, I hated him. But for some reason, I went back. Why did they go back? Something in your spirit said, go listen again. And you know what? It didn't hurt as much the next time. And you didn't, you didn't like it at first. We've had people here that were like that. At first, they're like, ah, I don't know. But for some reason, you came back. For some reason, you kept listening. And before you know it, not only does it not hurt anymore, you like it. It makes you feel good. You're preaching the same thing. What happened? You know what you did? You let the Word of God purge you. And what, what caused you to let it do it? You actually followed the spirit that was within you and that's why some people just never get this stuff because they don't have that regenerated spirit if you don't have a regenerated spirit you know what's eventually we're going to eventually be saying about you if you're in this church and you're not saved eventually what we're going to say about you they went out from us because they were not of us listen we are fine with people coming in with all kinds of issues even theological problems and stuff as long as they're saved because if they're saved, we believe they will eventually be like us 
if they let the Word of God purge them. But sometimes there's people, it just isn't going to happen. It's just not going to happen because they don't have a regenerated spirit. And so their soul will never long after the things that we're preaching. Their soul will never be blessed by the type of preaching that goes on here. It doesn't matter that you show. Have you ever been there? It's right here in the Scriptures. But yet they still won't receive it. Why? They don't have that regenerated spirit. But you've seen it over and over again. That's why we've got to be patient with people where they don't like it at first. It hurts. But the Word of God is purging them. If they have that Spirit, and the Word of God will change them, and they will eventually be right there with us. Sometimes we need reproved and rebuked. And it doesn't feel good when we get reproved and rebuked. It doesn't bless our soul. But you know what? The Spirit, it helps that Spirit. And that Spirit is using that to remove junk from our lives. To remove junk from our souls. To make us more like Christ. And so they, they, these can be painful things. But if we will set our hearts and souls to follow after the things of God, we, can get to the, we, will, we will get to the point where we're not only blessed by that which is good and right, but we will, we will be grieved by that which is unbiblical. And that's what I try to do. That's how I try to keep people in this church. I try to give you so much truth that you aren't going to be able to handle sitting in other churches where they don't preach as much truth. It'll drive you too crazy. I do that on purpose. You know, that way, it's like, man, people that are hungry for truth, they're going to have to come here. But it's going to have to actually be truth. It's going to, otherwise, it won't work. It, it won't work. And so the, uh, we do, we need these things. And it is, it, it's, it's tough. It's painful. But you, you, can, you can get to that point. We need to actively work on getting our hearts and souls to love the right things and to hate the right things. Romans 12, 9 says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. He's telling, telling you to do that. Why? Because sometimes we like that which is evil. No, you need to hate it. I kind of like it right now. No, you need to change your mind on that. You know what? Fine. You don't hate it right now? Let's go back and let's read some stories in the Old Testament and see what kind of consequences came from this kind of sin. Look at that. Learn from that. Oh, you still don't get it? You know what? I'll let you see some of it in your own life. And eventually we can get there where we hate sin. We, and, and the Word of God will do that to us. We do this, and so we, we change our mind on these things. We abhor that which is evil. We cleave to that which is good. We do these things by filling our hearts and minds with the Word of God. Psalm 119.11, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalms 1.1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. This is why it's so important to get in the right kind of church. You need to be in the counsel of the godly. You need to be somewhere where the Word of God and the Law of God is being preached, where it's talked about, where you can meditate on it. Psalm 119.97, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thou, through thy commandments, hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. And when you got saved, I said this before, your heart and your soul and your mind it's not automatically going to be filled with the Word of God. God did not fill you with all knowledge of Scripture when you got saved. You must learn it. But your regenerated spirit will always be drawn to it. It will be in its nature. Just like you don't even really have to teach a baby how to eat. It's in its nature to eat from its mother. 
it's the same thing with the word of God, that sincere milk of the word. We are naturally going to be drawn to it. And it is, it is a blessing when you see that, when you see people that I've been there, that the first time they were coming to church, they're just looking at me funny all the time. And then eventually they're, they got a different look, not only a look of agreement, but a look of pleasure. What happened? The word of God changed them. they, They received, and now they're receiving the things of the spirit. And so many people, many saved people today aren't getting anywhere spiritually because they're saved, but they are not filling their heart, soul, and mind with the word of God. And so they're falling prey to churches who are blessing their soul, but are not blessing their spirit. And that happens to a lot of saved people. They get in places that are blessing their soul, but they're not giving them scriptures. They're not feeding them the word of God. And so they're not getting anywhere spiritually. So if a truly saved person is in a church like this, understand they will fill an emptiness and their spirit will be grieved or, um, by certain things. But they're not, they're not going to understand why and they're just going to be frustrated. If, if you said, if you're, if you're saved and you're sinning, you know, you're, there, there is, there's going to be frustration, but you're not going to know what's going on. That's why a lot of saved people, they're out there, they're continuing in their sins, they're not being taught the Word of God, they're wondering why they're struggling in all these areas, but if they could get in a church like this, if they could learn the Word of God, if we can get the Scriptures to them, then they could see, oh, maybe that's why I'm not happy. I mean, the Bible says, who hath woe, who hath sorrow, who hath wounds without cause, they that tarry long at the wine. That's why I'm having all these problems. I do that. The Word of God will show that to them. But they're not just going to figure that out because they got saved. They have to get the Word of God too. And it, and it does. And it stinks. I mean, how did you feel the first time you were at church and the preacher was just nailing your sins? You know, you mentioned Garth. I was listening to Garth Brooks on the way to church. I didn't know that. I didn't hear it if somebody was. He was just the first guy I could think of. Eminem. I, I don't know. I promise I didn't hear anybody listening to it this week. Okay, Holy Spirit told me. I don't know. This is the first one popped in my head. But the, but what what's going on? That hurts. You know what? Thank God for it. And just like that, you know, that athlete that enjoys the pain from the workout because they have a longing and that desire to be muscular or whatever, we ought to have a longing and desire to be like Christ. And so when we feel that pain from the preaching, just understand that's purging. This is a good thing. This is a good thing. This is what I need. This is going to help me, but you've got to set, you've got to set your heart. You've got to set your soul on being like Christ. And many Christians today that are saved, they're like, I want to be like my rich neighbor. You know, I want to be like the people I'm watching on TV. I want to be like this influencer on, on social media. I want to be like that person. No, set your heart on being like Christ. And then the word of God will help you get, get there. And so a lost person, so a, a, a truly saved person that's in a church like this, you know, we understand emptiness and being grieved by certain things. But if we don't know the Word of God, we're not, you know, if we don't, if we don't learn the Word of God, we're not going to know how to fix these things. And a lost person, if they go to a church, a bad church, you know, they can do just fine in a church that only appeals to the soul. Okay, and this is why there are so many horrible, unbiblical churches are thriving today. You know why? Because these people don't have a regenerated spirit and their souls are being blessed with the music, the performance, the feel-good, you know, TED Talk type stuff. 
Their souls are blessed by that. They're blessed by Joel Osteen smiling and all that kind of stuff. You know, but you and I, we're listening for the message. We're listening. We're, we're coming for the word of God. And so when we hear Joel Osteen, it grieves us. But these people are blessed by it, and the problem is they're not saved. That's why if we can get if we can get these people saved, if we can get people saved in this community, then you know hopefully you know what's going to happen when they're in these crummy churches, they'll eventually just get frustrated, get out of there because something's not set right with their spirit. And hopefully they can find out about ours. That's why we need to get our preaching out there. That's why we need to be very open about what we believe. And then and then if if saved people hear it, they're not necessarily going to like it right away, but something their spirit's going to say, hey. Those crazy maniac hate people. Let's go listen to them again. Just to figure out what's wrong with them. And they're going to listen. And they're like, that's eh, not as bad as I thought. And they're going to listen again. Well, I kind of see where they're coming from. And they're going to listen again. I think they might be right. And they're going to listen again. I think they are right. And they're going to listen again. And they're going to be telling everybody the same stuff. And then getting everybody mad at them the way they were at us at one time. That, that, that's the, that's the result of these things. So that's why we're ruining all these churches when we're getting their church members saved. Because now it's going to be, you know, there's, there's going to be a longing for more. And they're not going to get it in these places. And so I think that, I think this is another reason to motivate us to go soul winning. And when we talk to religious people, you know what we do? We use the word of God to show their souls the truth. And if they will have faith in the Word of God, their spirit will be regenerated. And then we've just got to get them learning the Word of God so they will see through the foolishness in these fake churches. And so, hopefully that helps you understand a little uh, the difference between uh, the soul and spirit a little bit and helps you know yourself and how to know that you're going after the right thing. So with that, let's pray to your Lord. Thank you so much for this uh, sword that you have given us that can pierce through the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and i pray you'll help us to uh take these things i pray the people here will do their own study on these things so we can learn more not just about your word but about ourselves so we can make sure we're uh, following after that which is right and following after things of the spirit rather than the flesh or the soul and so i pray lord you'll continue to use these messages for everyone in your name we pray amen